Well, again, we're so glad um, today to have with us um, missionaries Dave and Cheryl Greco, and um, they've been friends of First Assembly for many years, and, and Kim and I um, as well on a personal level. I've had the had the the chance to work with Brother Dave when he was he was our youth director here in the district, and I was a young youth pastor at the time, you know. And so we got to work together back then. But it's been a blessing to see how God has used them on the mission field and in Mexico. And then as well, more recently, in terms of um, AGW, Assembly of God World Missions, mobilization. And he'll share what that, what that entails. And so um, we're going to welcome them. Um, but first, we're going to ask for the lights to come down. And they have a special video they would like to uh, share with us at this time. I've been in the church since I was two years old, and now I'm a youth leader as well as working in my church as well. Recently, last year, I remember I was just praying and um, asking God, like knowing like there's more. Like I wasn't just supposed to just become a youth leader. Um, so I remember I was just fasting and praying, and one of the mornings, like I was just like really in prayer and just like God, like like where are you sending me? And um, He gave me a vision, and. He showed me, it was these little kids, um, little boys and girls, and they were all crying. And I look up and there are two missionaries there. But the kids were black, like they were little African kids. And they were looking at me. But the missionaries, they were two white missionaries. And then automatically the like, Holy Spirit um, convicted me and said, these are the children that will never experience my overwhelming love if you don't go. And that's that was like the biggest thing I just like, I remember like, opening my eyes and just like surrendering God, I, everything. I don't think there's anything else that I can do but talk about the love of Jesus and how we are a part of his love story. When he, when he gave us the Great Commission, it was for us to go to all nations. And I just don't think he saved me to be comfortable. <laughs> so I'm really excited to see how God blows my mind once I go into the field. Cuando Dios me llamó, fue específicamente en un programa de discipulado que él abrió las puertas para que yo asistiera. Eh, fue durante mi tiempo de oración que yo estaba, sentí en mi espíritu que Jesús me preguntaba, ¿estás dispuesta a servirme? Yo batallé al principio porque no, no sabía, no me imaginaba cómo podía ser posible. Yo sabía que era Jesús preguntándome, ¿estás dispuesta a servirme? Yo en fe respondí, sí, señor, estoy dispuesta. Y a, y a partir de ahí, él encaminó mis pasos y para llegar a donde estoy ahora. Y yo creo que estoy hoy sirviendo en obediencia en lo que él me ha llamado. As a kid, I grew up in the inner city. And growing up, I remember going to sleep with shoes on, being told that I would hear gunshots firing. And I recognized that there were a lot of people in our community that needed Jesus, but not only in our community, around the world. And I asked God, will you send me wherever you want me to go? And if you send me, I'll be obedient to do whatever you want me to do. And I guarantee you, that's a prayer that he'll answer. Maybe God's got a call on your life for missions. Pray that prayer, listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and be obedient to what he tells you to do. Thank you, Pastor Tim, for the chance to be here today. Thank you, all of you, for your constant prayers and faithful support. 
It is Thanksgiving week, and I am so grateful for so many congregations like yours that have uh, a focus, especially during this time, on the fact that we're not just surviving this season, but we're still the church. We're still shining light locally and globally, and uh, it's a privilege to be part of a church like that. Thank you so much, Pastor Tim. Tim and Kim have been friends for a number of years, like, uh, like he said, and it's just great to be back together with you guys. Um, Cheryl and I... Uh, we work with the Sundays of God World Missions. As uh, Pastor said, we've been uh, missionaries in Mexico. We were there for about 10 years. And for uh, about seven years now, we've been back home living in New Jersey, but working with the Sundays of God World Missions all throughout the U.S. with our multi-ethnic communities. In the Assemblies of God, we have about 13,000 churches. Um, among those churches, other than the Anglo community, we also have uh, 19 language, we call them regional language districts, identified by language, and another 24 nationally recognized ethnic fellowships that are identified by ethnicity or culture or race. And we work with each of these groups to not plant churches, but from their communities, their church communities, raise awareness of world missions and send missionaries from our ethnic communities. It's a fascinating, it's a confusing, it's an interesting, uh, very um, enjoyable ministry, but uh, I, I jokingly said, but it's really not a joke, that uh, about 27 days out of every month, I love what I do, and for about three or four days, I'm thinking, what in the world am I trying to do? It's just under the mountain there. It's, just, it's, it's amazingly interesting working with multicultural, multilingual, multi-generational groups. But God's doing some amazing things. This past year, uh, during COVID, we have seen an increase in the, the, the black fellowship. The missionaries we've sent from our black community has increased this year by 50%. We've seen growth in um, our Filipino community of missionaries sent, in the Vietnamese missionaries sent. Just a couple of days ago, actually a couple of weeks ago, I should say, I had a, a Zoom call with one of our global workers. He is currently serving in Cambodia. He and his wife are Cambodian. They are um, folks that were born in Cambodia, came to the U U.S. as refugees. For you history buffs, they were uh, those that were rescued from the killing fields. And God called them back to Cambodia to minister there among the people there. He told me that just a month or two ago, he baptized a member who had previously been in uh, the Khmer Rouge, one of the military workers, and he baptized him. I said, the dates seem to work out that you were there as a victim of his regime while you... He said, I said, how did you mentally... And he just said, I can't go there. All I go to is that God's grace covers our past and he's ministering to people. And it's amazing to, you know, you talk about verses in Scripture, the world was not worthy of the. I feel like when I have conversations with these folks, I'm not worthy to be interacting with them. But this is the quality of people that God is raising up and sending with gifts and abilities and a calling and an anointing to touch people we could never touch uh, as Anglos. It's just an amazing uh, opportunity. We're seeing growth there. We're seeing growth among the Samoans, the Native Americans, and even among the deaf community. Not just sending missionaries to work with the deaf, but missionaries who are deaf, who are connecting and communicating in sign 
to others in other countries who are also deaf, mostly ignored by their communities, educationally, by churches. They're a language group, a culture group with no presentation of the gospel. Amazing things are happening. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. Um, this video is just a, a small snapshot of the kinds of things that are going on today. And Cheryl and I great, greatly uh, appreciate your participation uh, as a team in, in what we're doing. Thanks for also for the chance to come and, and share a little bit with you. Um, I want to talk to you today about how we can, especially in this climate, in this time, uh, respond and be the kind of church we need to be. And I want to do it by beginning with that quote that was up there just a second ago by Winston Churchill, one of my favorite, favorite historical figures. Winston Churchill said this, to each there comes in their lifetime a special moment when they are figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered the chance to do a very special thing, unique to them and fitted to their talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds them unprepared or unqualified for that which could have been their finest hour. I believe in the church today, we are experiencing what could be our finest hour. And the only reason I use the word could is because it all depends on our response. It, the choice is really up to us. I, I've heard a lot of conversation about 2020. I've heard people using 2020 lately as a verb. Uh, it was, a, it was I, I bought this car, it was such a, it was a 2020. <laughs> it was like, the car was a mess, it had all these problems, it was a 20, 2020 has been a year to forget, a wasted year. I heard someone say recently when we changed the clocks and went to daylight savings time, that they said, or, or off day, whatever time we just went to, uh, we gained an hour. He said, you know, I'm not changing my clock. I don't even want one more hour of 2020. You know, that, those kinds of jokes are out there. But let me ask you this question. What if, bunch of what ifs, what if 2020 is not a wasted year? What if this current crisis is not something that the in enemy intended for evil that God is turning around for good, but rather something that God has allowed for good, but we're perceiving it as evil? You see, if that's true, then this is not a storm to survive. This is an opportunity we need to seize. I've been overtaken the last couple of weeks with John 12, 27. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you. Jesus is on his way to the cross. It's the night before he's taken. He's praying in the garden, and he's reviewing what's going to happen. He's going to suffer. He's going to be crucified. And as he prays, he says this, What shall I say? Shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. And I wonder sometimes if we are praying that God will whisk us away from what he has prepared us for. This is our moment as the church today. And what if we're looking at this as our worst nightmare when it really could be our finest hour? See, this is not a time to focus on hiding out and hanging on. This is a time to focus on what God has brought us here to do. And today I want to share with you briefly three areas of focus that we cannot afford to ignore. There are things that we have known. There are things that I'm going to remind you of, but we forget them when we're surrounded by crisis. So we're going to focus on that. I'm going to share about that uh, today in, in just a, a moment. First we'll pray, and then we'll look into it. Bow with me in prayer. Father, 
Thank you so much uh, for this church today. I thank you, Lord, for the history of this church. I thank you for the ministry that has proceeded in the light that has shown from First Assembly here in Shrewsbury. I pray, Father, that you will bless us today. Give us eyes that see, that don't just see on the surface, but that see below, that see the people that we live among and what's really going on in their lives. Give us ears that hear, not only hearing the voice on television, the voice of the news, the voice of complaint around us, but the voice of God that's speaking in this day. Give us minds that understand and give us hearts that are ready and willing to respond to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're living in a weird time. Everybody knows that. I mean, you look around. We're wearing masks. I mean, for real. We're all wearing masks every day, and it's starting to get comfortable. You know, it's like you, sometimes you take it off and you feel, ooh, it's kind of, I miss that. It's a little cooler. You just feel that difference there. We're living in a strange time. We're surrounded by things that we constantly are being told we cannot do. You can't travel. You can't touch. You can't sit too close to people. We have limited public gatherings. We can't ignore a cough or a sneeze. By the way, um, two real quick things. I asked my, my grandchildren a stupid question, a foolish I shouldn't say stupid, a foolish question, but I would say it really was. Either way, um, I, I, I trim my beard every two weeks. And I, I foolishly asked them, what do you think? Should I let it go Santa Claus for Christmas? And they all, I'm, it's unanimous. So it's getting real big, and it's going to get bigger. That's one thing. The other is that for Christmas, I always make for our grandkids all these weird things out of, out of wood. Yesterday was uh, a big day of wood cutting and sawing and sanding, and I wasn't wearing a dust mask because I was tired wearing masks. So I breathed in a ton of sawdust. So if I'm coughing a lot, it's just sawdust cough. That's all. Just relax. But you can't ignore a cough reminded me of that. You can't ignore a sneeze. Socially, we can't use specific vocabulary or share opinions because we're in a racially tense climate as well. Politically, another minefield. Um, can't, 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 can't. We have been imposed on by what we're embracing as a culture of can't. And the danger of that is this idea of a complete shutdown is the answer to life, eliminating dangerous activities as well as the necessary ones. Stay home, stay safe, go nowhere, do nothing. While we learn to avoid certain social activities for health reasons, there are key areas of spiritual activity that we can never afford to ignore or avoid. Our present situation prevents us from doing many things, but it doesn't prevent us from doing everything. And we need to focus not only on what we can't do, but what we can. So let me begin, before I uh, jump into these issues that I want to address, with this one thought as a launch point. In a culture of can't, intentionally embrace the counterculture. John Wooden said, don't let what you can't do prevent you from doing what you can. Okay, So I want to keep that thread moving through all that I say today. If we are living in the last days, and I believe we are, if these are the final hours of humanity's story, we need to make this our finest hour, and that happens by focusing not on what we can't do, but what we can. Mark 13 says, uh, 13.10 says, In the last days, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached to all nations. COVID didn't change that. If anything, it advanced that. So how do we do that today? Three areas of behavior that we must 
focus on and continue to focus on to be the church God has called us to be. And number one, very simple, is this. We need to continue to pray for global evangelism. Continue to pray for global evangelism. Matthew 9, 38 says, Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Anybody have never heard that before? I don't see any hands here. If I could see people on, online, I don't think there'd be very many hands there. But there's a problem with that verse. You know what the problem is? You'll catch it in just a second. We all know it. We teach it. We read it. We preach it. We even sing it. You know what's next. The one thing we don't do is pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send workers. I won't ask for a show of hands again, but how, if I did ask for hands, how many have prayed today that God would send workers? This week, this month, we forget these things. We don't understand the importance of prayer. Not just the importance to us, but the importance in the plan of God. We were pastors in a, in a previous life. In, uh, it was 1989. We were up in North Jersey, a place called Northvale. Wonderful community, beautiful church. Loved the people there. And one day, uh, it was a Wednesday night, Bible study. We took some requests for prayer. Anybody have any special needs? And one of the ladies of the church, her name was Anna, uh, she said, yes, Pastor, uh, can we pray for Albania tonight? I said, certainly. We'd be glad to pray for Albania. Who is she? Your neighbor, your sister, friend? Be glad to Everybody, everybody laughed like that. I was clueless. I thought it was a person. I didn't even, I didn't know Albania was a country. She laughed. She said, oh, Pastor, you're always joking around. You know Albania is a country. Oh, of course I do. <laughs> How can we pray? Like, what? She said, I don't know. God just, just put it on my heart. So we prayed for Albania. That Sunday morning following, you have text messages, prayer requests. We had paper, little, re pray for Albania. Sunday night, we had a service, prayer requests, Albania. Next Wednesday, Albania. Next Sunday, Albania. Next Wednesday, day after day, week after, month after month. I won't give you the full story, but I will tell you this. I began to see her coming in church and think, here comes Sister Albania. I'm just being honest, okay? Your pastor would never do that. Actually, he wouldn't. He wouldn't do that. If I said I would never do that, people know me. Yeah, yeah, yes, you would. I know you. You would do that. I didn't say it publicly, but I thought it. I actually thought at one point, would you, lady, would you just give it a break? Give it a rest? Well, thankfully, she didn't. Because six months after starting to pray for Albania, every service, I pick up the newspapers and I see on the front page, 1990, check it out. Civil war erupts in Albania. Revolution occurs. And as I read the headline, I read the article, I read, for the first time in the history of the country, Albanians have religious freedom. There was no evangelical church in Albania. No presentation of the gospel. I read that. I'm getting goosebumps just as I'm saying it. I read that, and I looked down, and I, I kind of looked up. It's like, and I saw God do this. <sighs> what am I going to do with you? <laughs> 2016, in the country that had no evangelical witness, in 2016, there were 200 evangelical churches in Albania, 20,000 believers, 35 Assemblies of God churches with 1,000 members and two missionaries sent. God's incredibly amazing power was released through the incredibly ordinary prayers of this woman. Pray for new workers. Pray for missionaries on the field. Pray for the unreached people of the world. 
You see, there are things that God will do whether his people pray or not, and there are other things that won't happen if we don't. And he has asked us, he has commanded us, he begs us to pray because he responds to it. And I'm going to give you a harsh truth. Please forgive me for being so direct and blunt, but it's just easier to say it this way. Either we don't really care that much about people who have never heard the name of Jesus, or we don't really believe our prayers matter that much, so we don't pray that much. It's one of those two reasons. Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers. You can't pray a lot? Pray a little. Don't let what you can't do stop you from doing what you can, but pray. Number two, continue to give to missions. Continue to give to your church. Continue to, the laws of the harvest are still in place. Your pastor said it. When you give, God responds and he blesses you. When he blesses you, you give. When you give, he blesses you. When he blesses you, you give. It's a cycle. It keeps going on. We don't give to get. We give to get to give, to get to give. To get. This is Luke 8, 638. Luke 638 says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The law of the harvest supersedes the condition of the economy. Nobody has an asterisk in their Bible that says, this verse under duress of COVID-19 does not apply. It does apply. In John chapter 6, there's a great story, you're all probably familiar with, Jesus feeding the 5,000. Remember, he gets all these people, he sits them down, he's, he's preaching, he says, I really feel compassion for these people, they're hungry, they've been following me all day, and he says, I think we should feed them. Disciples, how can we do that? He says, what do we have? They said, well, we don't have very much. He says, that wasn't the question. I didn't say, what don't we have? I didn't say, what can't we do? I said, what can we What do we have? Go and see. So they go, and they find a little boy with some loaves of bread, some fish, you know, you got that thing, and they say, okay, bring it here. Now, there's a whole lot of stuff that I can't get into in this story because it's just too deep, but it just fascinates me that there were 5,000 men, it says, but there were women and children, so we're looking at about 10,000 people, and it's a Jersey thing, forgive me, but it's a Jersey thing. There's no way you're going to tell me that among 10,000 people, only one kid had food. <laughs> I, there's just no way. You can tell me this. Among 10,000 people, a bunch had food, but most of them said, there's not enough here for everybody, so I'm keeping mine. I, I take care of me first. But this one kid says, I'm going to give what I have. So you know the story. Jesus had him sit down, and the disciples start breaking. He starts breaking the bread and the fish, and he multiplies it, and 10,000 people are fed with food left over. It's an amazing story. Can't figure it out. It's called a miracle, okay? But here's, here's the dynamic that I want to communicate to you. There were thousands and thousands of people there, but they had no idea what was going on. They were told, sit down, you're going to eat. And they go, oh, great. I didn't know they had food. Let's say there were 10,000 people there. All but 14, 12 disciples, Jesus, and a young boy. 14, so 10,000 minus 14 is 9,000. I'm blank. Whatever it is, it's 14 less than 10,000. 884, 984, wh whatever it is. That's it. That's the one. Lo que él dijo. Sacaste la palabra de mi boca. All but 14 had no idea a miracle was taking place. 
Only those who served and participated realized what was going on. There's a lesson in here we've got to learn. Only those who participate experience the miracle. The rest, they just get free food. They just have lunch. They had no clue about it. The real question we need to ask is not, how much am I giving? It's not, how much does the church give? It's not, do I have to give to missions? The real question is this, do I want to be part of a miracle? That's the question. Because that option is in your hands. I remember the day as pastors up in Northvale, we gave out faith promises, and my son, Dan, who's pastoring now, made his first faith promise for 25 cents a month. He was eight years old. I remember because that day, playing ball with him in the backyard, the ball went into the weeds over by the house. He went to get it, and he's digging around. He comes out screaming, holding up a quarter, and he says, Dad, Dad, looked, just like the missionary told me. God gave me my first month's faith promise. He wasn't screaming because he found a quarter. He was screaming because he was part of a miracle. Now, you've got a choice. You can give and realize that it's going to be given to you. If you can't give a lot, well, give a little, but give something, because by doing so, you can be part of a miracle, or you can just come and have lunch. It's your call. It's your choice. Don't let what you can't do prevent you from doing what you can. Can't do much? Do a little, but do something. Third, finally, continue to pray, continue to give, continue to go. Continue to go. The COVID syndrome is stay home, stay safe. And that's great advice for controlling a pandemic. Please hear me. I am not making any derogatory comments about masks and hygiene and distancing and all. I am totally agreeing. I'm, I'm good with that, okay? What I'm saying is this. While it's good advice for controlling a pandemic, it's not good advice for determining the will of God for your life. There's a big difference there. And here's the, this, let me give the disclaimer. This is my personal opinion. All right, this is Dave Greco's opinion, does not apply to the Assemblies of God, Shrewsbury Assembly, Pastor Tim, you can embrace it if you want, but I'm just speaking for me. And here's my opinion. Safety is important. Blunt alert. But the day my safety becomes the highest priority of my church, it's time for me to find another church. My, the highest priority of my church for me needs to be finding and doing the will of God. Safety is important. It's a high value, but that's not what I'm here about. It's to do the will of God. Matthew 28, 18 and 19, Jesus said, All authority on heaven and earth is given unto me. Therefore, stay home, stay safe. No, he said, therefore, go. God is calling each one of us to go. He doesn't say you can't wear a mask when you go. Wear a mask. Be socially distancing. Do all that. But go. Some can't go far geographically. Okay. If you can't do a lot, do a little. Go as far as you can. Others can go far. And so the same principles apply here. If you can't go far, go near. But go where you can go. Many of us have neighbors. In this pandemic, they are struggling, not just financially. So mentally, it, it's amazing what people are going through. They have tremendous needs. You have light. You have grace. You can share. Go. You can't go far. Go near. But go. Some can go a little further. Maybe God has challenged you to go on a missions trip that the church is, is sponsoring. I know right now, if countries are closed, it's going to open up again. 
And as soon as they do, you're going to have this question, is it safe? Is it safe? <laughs> i got to be honest with you. I don't know if it's safe. But I also know that going to Walmart isn't safe either. I mean, no matter where you go, it, it ain't safe. If you're praying for direction, Jesus already gave it. He said, go. You can go near, you can go medium, or you might be in the group here today or watching online. And if you're totally honest, you know that God is drawing you to the lands beyond, to go further, to embrace missions not just as an idea but as a lifestyle. It's not just a passing thought. It's a calling, and you wonder if missionary life might be in your future. If you're wondering if God is calling you as a missionary, let me tell you, you cannot answer that question by ignoring it. The question does not answer itself. You've got to face it. Erwin McManus, in the book The Last Arrow, said this, if one day we are to have a conversation with God about the measure of our lives, I would rather have him ask me why I tried to do so much than have him ask me why I settled for so little. Folks, it's an option that we all have. If you can't go far, go near, but go somewhere. Don't let what you can't do prevent you from doing what you can. Don't let going where you can't go prevent you from going where you can. Let me wrap this up. Everything we do, no matter how small it may seem, has the potential to be incredibly significant. You can pray, you can give, you can go. If you can't pray a lot, no problem. Pray a little. If you can't give a lot, no big deal. Give a little. If you can't go far, that's fine. Go near. But do what you can. Give what you can. Go where you can. We can't look at a seed and from the seed, determine the size of the tree that's going to grow from that seed. You can't look at your contribution, your action, your investment, and see what is going to come from that in the plan of God. You can't measure the impact of your life by how big it looks to you today. It's a seed. God gives the growth. So I circle back to where I began. To each of us comes in our lifetime a special moment when we are figuratively tapped on the shoulder and offered the chance to do a very special thing, unique to us and fitted to our talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds us unprepared or unqualified for that which could be our finest hour. Don't let what you can't do prevent you from doing what you can. This gospel of the kingdom must be preached to all nations. It's our opportunity as well as our obligation. Don't let 2020 be your worst nightmare. Make it your finest hour. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful congregation. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your challenge to us, and thank you for your promise to walk with us through the challenge. A lot of times we don't know how we're going to fulfill the commitments that we make. A lot of times we don't know how we're going to make it through the days that we face. But you have never left us. You have never abandoned us. And just as you keep us and just as you supply our needs to survive, 
you keep us and you supply our needs to step out in faith for you. I pray each person today will be able to evaluate how they can pray, how much they can give, and where they can go, and not be limited, not embrace a culture of can't, but embrace a culture of all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Help us to evaluate and do what we can, give what we can, pray as we can, and go where we can, that your name be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.